welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Good morning. Good morning to you guys, too. Um, welcome. I am, uh, I don't know, there's something, as I watch that, as I listen to the words as Martin speaks, there's, there's, there's an excitement, there's, there's an energy, um, there's, there's power in those words. The truth is a person. The truth is our God. It's exciting to, to hear that. Um, before we get uh, ramped up with the message um, and, and ramp into that, I, I, I'm also excited about something else, and I want to ask uh, Pastor Mike to, to come on up. Uh, we've got a special announcement to share with you. So, Pastor Mike. Good morning. Are we on? We're good? Yeah. So, I'm excited too. I'm glad that uh, Pastor Kevin invited me up to let you know about this. Uh, many of you, if you were around here in the summertime, you know we did a once-a-month Saturday evening service. And uh, as we've talked and prayed with Pastor Kevin, Pastor Mark, and looking forward, we are going to reinstate our Saturday evening services once a month, starting at February 7th. So, start, yeah, that's, yeah, that's worth a cheer. So starting on February 7th, we'll be uh, meeting here at the Pembroke campus one time a month, the first Saturday of the month, every month. Uh, it's going to be a great time. It's a great way, especially if, um, if you serve on a Sunday morning and you want to come on Saturday night so that you can enjoy the full service. Or even better yet, if you have friends who really don't want to come to church on Sunday morning, but they would be open to coming on Saturday night because maybe you take them out to dinner or a froyo or something afterwards, uh, that's a great evangelism tool to help bring them into the church. Uh, we're really excited about it. It's going to be kind of a family-friendly service. There won't be any kids' ministry. Kids will be in here with us, and we'll all celebrate and worship together. So it's really it's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be what? It's going to be wild. Yeah. And it's going to be great. Yeah. And it's going to be full of him. Amen. Amen. What he said. So, so uh, <laughs> put it on your calendars. If you can be here on Saturday nights, that's awesome. It'll be the same message Saturday and Sunday, so it's not something you need to come to to get something extra. Same uh, message, but with a little... With a little southern drawl. Twang. Yeah. <laughs> Which everybody loves, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's so, it. Someone said, what time? Oh, what time? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Just show up. No, it'll be at seven o'clock um, here at the Pembroke campus, Saturday nights, first Saturday of the month, once a month only. Um, it's going to be what he said. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Pastor Mike. And it does create a great opportunity. There are people that have to work on Sundays, and it creates a great opportunity to give an alternative time to come Saturday evening to be able to join. So if, if you have people that you know um, who maybe attend your life group but are not able to be part of the services on Sunday morning, make sure you let them know. You know, hey, there's a Saturday night service that you could join at least once a month for now um, where they can come on Saturday night if they have to work on Sunday. There's plenty of people that you work with. There's plenty of people that you know that this creates another opportunity, another availability to invite people um, to, to be able to come, to be able to hear the gospel, to be able to have transformation take place in their life because of him. So it's exciting. Amen. So last week we launched our new series, Veritas, Latin word for truth. 
And uh, in that, we, we started right at the very beginning by kind of setting our baseline, setting our, this, this, is, this is what you need to know in order to understand and believe anything further that we say through this whole series, which will be another eight or so weeks. Um, and the baseline, the understanding that we all need to have is this right here. If, if we can acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and he is our Savior, and acknowledge that God is real and true, then this book right here is truth. We, we, we determined last week, yes, it is 100% written by men, but it is also 100% written by God. We understood that there is, um, it is all truth. Everything written in here is truth. And we have to, if, if, we, if we receive some of it as truth, we need to receive all of it as truth. If we believe half the truth, we live half a life. There's not a fullness in our life if we just say, well, I'm going to pick and choose what I want from this book. It's, it really is an all or nothing kind of deal. And he calls us, God calls us, to, and it, part of it is faith to have faith to believe that what God says is 100% true on every page. So we started with that, and that's great because in order to go forward, in order to, to say anything I'm going to say going forward, you need to first and foremost understand that what we speak, we speak from here. And this is our baseline for everything. It's our foundational basis for our belief. So this morning, I want you to jump right in with me to Genesis chapter 1. Now, the cool thing is, if you are unfamiliar with Scripture, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you have a Bible, and maybe it was given to you as a graduation present, or given to you, you know, as a child, whatever. If you have a Bible and you're not familiar the books of the Bible, don't get stressed out this morning. Genesis chapter 1 is the first page in the first book in the Bible. So just open up the cover and find that first chapter, Genesis chapter 1. Now we will bounce around throughout the day and so you might be challenged. And if you see someone beside you who's looking like, I'm flipping through, 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 maybe you could turn to them and say, let me help you and show them along the way. We are a community of believers. We should be in support for each other. So when I say Romans and someone says, that's after Exodus, right? You can help them. So, so Genesis chapter 1, beginning, Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 26, says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I love that they had to be that specific. You know, the creeping things that creep. So the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female he created them. That's where we begin. We were created in the image and likeness of God. Each of you were created in the image and likeness of God. That's something to get excited about right there. You weren't just a, a side dish 
as, as God was preparing this whole buffet. You were intentionally crafted and created. And you were created not, well, I'll just kind of throw this together. I've got these leftover ingredients. You were created, we were created in his image and his likeness. Some of us, we have a hard time with that. We, we have a hard time with the understanding of that, specifically because of the way we live our lives, because of things that have happened to us, because of things that, um, I don't know, just life happens. And in that, somehow the image that we've been created in has been blemished, has, has been distorted. It, it's, it's, been, it's been tweaked or skewed or just flat out ruined. It, it's, um, it's like a mirror or a, a glass window that your wife uses the new um, non-toxic, um, all homeopathic cleaners that don't really clean. They just really make a nice fog on the window. And so, I'm preaching now, aren't I? <laughs> and, so, and so when you look through, you don't really get the high-definition picture that you want. It's kind of like... <laughs> I think the dog's out there, but I'm not sure if it's a bear. Um, we, 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 have, we have a distorted view. Sometimes our, our distorted view on the image that we were created in, like, I don't know, be, be, we find, like, what image are we trying to portray within our own lives? What image do we try and portray to the world around us, to those who see us, those who know us, those that we work with or live with? What image do we portray to them? What image do you take on? And who instilled that image on you? The, the hard part is we, we take on an image many times by people we have in our lives or by the world that we live in. We take on other images, other identities, a brokenness from the true image that we were created in. And we have to ask, is, is this the true image that we live in? Or is it the distorted image? If you go way, 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 way back in the, in the way, way back machine uh, with Mr. Peabody, you will find the Babylonians, which are now kind of the, the, the people of modern Iraq. And the Babylonians took on partial truths in their creation myth called, called the Enuma Elish. And in the Enuma Elish, it, it, was a, it was a skewed view of our relationship with God and how we're to function in the world that we live in and that we've been placed in. This distorted version uh, of creation comes from the time period somewhere between 700 and 1100 BC. And this creation myth accounts for six different generations of gods, each who have a part in creating the earth that we all live in this system of life that we find ourselves in. The God of the sky, the God of the water, the God of the earth, the God of gods who birth other gods to create other things as needed. And this account calls man savage man. And, and man is being referred to as savage man because in this dynamic, in this creation myth, the Enuma Elish, savage man exists wholly in part to serve their gods. Wholly in part to do their bidding. Essentially slaves 
to please the gods and to serve the gods. The gods created and maybe they got tired and they didn't want to do anything after that. And so they made savage man in order to serve them and do what they wanted done. Born as slaves to the gods. And this is a massive distortion of why we were created. What, I, I ask myself, like, why in the world would the Babylonians think this? Why, why, would, why would they come up with this belief system? Where does this come from? Well, you know, why is it completely different from Genesis where we read this? The spiritual leaders of this culture, when they, excuse me, <coughs> the spiritual leaders of this culture, when, when, when they had this going on, first off, they were heavily involved in witchcraft. And they dreamed up these dreams, they, these visions, these myths. Who, who do you think would give such dreams to them? Who, who, do, you, who do you think... Satan? Um, who, who, do you think would, who do you think would plant these, these visions and these dreams within their minds? We have, we have an age-old enemy. And he goes by one tactic. And that tactic... And we read it in John 10.10. Our enemy, Satan, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Thank you. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in that, to enslave mankind into a distorted worldview that truly makes man savage. It all boils down to this. We, We choose to exchange the truth for a lie. We choose to exchange the truth of God for a lie. We choose not to believe God. Now, we're going to talk much more about this next week when we talk about sin. Yay! Everyone say, yay! yay. This is going to be a fun one, talking about sin. But when you look back at why sin entered into the world, when you look into, and, and we'll talk much more about it next week, but what made Adam and Eve, you know, they walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening. There was, there was intimate relationship with the creator of everything. And in the instructions that God gave, he said one, like one thing, please don't do. I give you dominion over all of this, but one thing, this tree, the fruit of this tree, just leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. It's, that's not for you. Everything else, have at it. Fair game, but this one tree, please don't. And in that, when we see Adam and Eve choosing to eat from the fruit of that tree, it all boils down to the one truth that they chose not to believe God when God said, everything you have, just not this one thing. They made the choice not to believe God in who he was, And really, that's what it boils down to for each of us. When we sin, when we choose to go against God, it's because we make the the distinction in our belief system, whether we believe God or we don't believe God. And when we sin, when we fail, when we fall apart, when we make poor choices, it truly revolves around the fact that in that area of our life where sin exists, we've chosen not to believe God about those things about the promises that he's made for us. Again, for another week. But this is why we need to start at the beginning. 
to understand why we were created and what image we were created in. If we're living our lives under, the, under a wrong image of ourselves and not understanding the, the original design that we were created in, we will never fully be able to be who, were we, who we were originally intended to be. Living fully the way we were designed to live. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. It's... It's like a mirror, and as I say this, I'm going to just point out, like if someone's recording on their phone or something, I know we don't, we don't broadcast or, or video right now, uh, but if someone has a cell phone camera, don't throw this one snippet um, out onto YouTube and mislead everyone in what I'm about to say. This is an illustration, a for instance. We good with that? We all understand? Okay, so let's say I am God, Okay? I'm not, remember. But let's say, for instance, I am God. And when you look in here, you see my reflection, my image, my likeness. You see who? God, yeah. For instance, I'm God, yes. <laughs> now I see Kevin, stupid. <laughs> you... You, we, are, we are image bearers. We reflect the likeness of God. We are the mirror. We are the mirror. We are the image bearer of God. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, welcome. Welcome to Grace Capital. Is this your first time? To, <laughs> Hospitality 101, folks. <laughs> the image that we see in the mirror is who we were originally created to be. The intention that God had was that we were made in his image and his likeness. Unfortunately, when sin came in, and it would be a horrible example because I'd have to pick up the pieces, but when sin came in, the mirror was smashed. The mirror was, was distorted. It's like the funhouse mirrors now, where, you know, like all of a sudden, like, wow, I, I really grew. Or, you know, my, when you look up and down and the mirror kind of changes your image, that it's a distorted image of the reality. It's, it's a distortion from the original intention of the creator. That our image should project the reflection of our creator, that, because that's how we were originally created to be. But sin corrupts. And somehow we've settled for that substitution that does not compare. Satan makes man a slave. God makes man an heir. And, and for some reason, we live our lives in this false image, this brokenness. I'm starting off today by saying, this is truth. The fact that we are created in his image and likeness, is truth. No bones about it. I'll arm wrestle any of you that want to argue. This is truth. And so this, this understanding of the fact that we are created in his image and his likeness, well, when we settle for those substitutions, when we settle for 
other things. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 1. Matter of fact, you can go there. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. The book of Romans chapter 1. And we're going to start Romans chapter 1 in verse 18. I hear pages flipping, that's awesome. While you're flipping, I'm going to take a sip. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Wrath of God. This All right. Another touchy-feely message. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Ooh. Anyone live in a dynamic where, this, where the truth is suppressed? Where, 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 people, where people try, well, no, that, that no, maybe not. That's, the truth is suppressed. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For, all know, uh, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. It's very interesting and to see the similarities. When you look at Romans chapter 1, and Genesis chapter 1. They were given dominion over all of the birds and all of the um, animals and all of the creeping things. And yet, in, in verse 23 in Romans 1, we read, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Rather than worship the creator, they grabbed a piece of wood or some stone or whatever and crafted for themselves idols in the image of the creations. They, they made images and worshiped those images, the created things, rather than the creator. We're designed to have dominion over these things, but instead we make idols of them and we worship the very things that, that we are to have dominion over. We reflect the thing that we worship. We reflect the thing that we worship. We all reflect something to the world around us. And I'm just going to pause for a moment and let you think. What do you reflect? What are the things that we worship? 
Well, we sang songs this morning. Yeah. So I worship God. But the same way that in Romans we read of these idols being crafted, what, what are the idols in our lives? Let me ask you this way. What's the priority level or the importance that you place upon your bank account? Or the car that you drive? Or, or the house that you live in? Or the title that goes along with the job that you have? The number of plaques upon your wall that distinguish each title? What's the priority that you place those things at? Are those your gods, created idols that we place higher than we place God? The substitutions that we've put in our lives to create an identity for ourselves. We reflect the thing, the image of the thing that we worship. We all reflect something to the world around us. So whose image are we bearing? What are you living for? What are you striving for? Who do you really want to represent here on this earth? See, to, to, to fully grasp this and, and to see the, the idea that we are created in the image of God. We are his image bearers to fully grasp this concept and yet to settle for substitutes, to settle for other things above God and to allow those things to be the image that we bear, the identity that we carry, the purpose of our life. Dignity as a human is restored. Dignity, dignity to humanity is restored when we come back to understand that we were created in his image. Think about this for a minute. We've, we've been told and many accepted this, this idea that it all began with some... And, and somewhere along the line... I can trace back in my genealogy and in my roots this blob that was my great, 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 great grandfather. And from that blob, I, I, I evolved into a larger blob. And then somehow I became like a lizard. And then from there into like a primate. And then, you know, it, it's just a matter of just standing up straight We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we buy into this evolutionary theory about how, well, we began here, but we eventually became who we are now. And someday, maybe thousands of years from now, we'll be even cooler. We won't, because we'll all be gone. We lose the value of who we are. And as a culture, we, we, we remove the value of life in itself and somehow look even to abortion as an answer 
take away the value of life and say, well, you know, it, it could cause me harm if I go forward with this. So I, I have a choice. I have that freedom of choice. Don't put your rules on me. Don't put your will on me. I have a choice. We become okay with killing our elderly. They're older, they lived a good life, but they're a detriment to society now, so we'll stop providing them with the medical care that they need. Make choices for euthanizing. We hear stories on the news about genocide, and we you know, stop for a minute while we're eating dinner. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Can you pass the A1 sauce? And we go back to our dinners because it's in some other part of the world. And so the value of those human lives, it would be uncomfortable and disruptive to my life if I had to say something about that or do something about that. When we come back to understand the reality and the truth, the veritas truth, that we were created in his image and understand that each person is created in his image. It mandates that we have a higher level on the value of life, all life. When we exchange the truth for a lie, we lose the concept of human accountability. If there's no meaning, then we have no reason to be held accountable for anything. We have no basis for reason or, or to discover logic. When we have a clear view of who God is, when we come close to the creator, we can reflect with greater clarity the originally designed purpose of our lives. James chapter four, verse eight. You don't have to jump to it, but you can write it down in your notes so you can jump to it later. James chapter four, verse eight says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I want to go back to the mirror, and I'm sorry if I blind anyone. It's not my intention. And if I break it, I'm not concerned about bad luck because I'm not superstitious. Claiming that would just be stupidity. The mirror. If the mirror is the reflection, if we are the mirror... And God says, draw near. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That means the closer I get, the closer I get to God. When I draw near to God, I can see without any imperfections. I can see in HD clarity. I can see who God, I, all, everything about God and the image that I'm to bear, the life that I am to live. It's, it's, it's in full clarity. I understand 100% wholeheartedly. That means that proximity matters. That means that when you draw near to God, his promise is that he draws near to you. That means that when you seek him, you will find him. It means that when you, when you say, man, I feel so far away from God, it's not God who's far away. Step near to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you.
That, that's why we talk about, you know, the importance of journaling. The import, like, get in your Bible every day. Pray. It's not just because, you know, hey, here's 13 fiery hoops that you need to jump through to be a good believer. It's because it is, we are made in his image and his, his, his desperate desire for us is that we would be in relationship with him, close relationship with him. Husbands, how many of your wives would be really pleased to um, have you have a different bedroom? How, how good would that relationship be? I mean, aside from the snoring, you know, your, yes, your wives would sleep better. Is there, is, there, is, a, is there a correlation between proximity and relationship and intimacy? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Yes. Proximity matters. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Proximity matters. You know what else matters? How many of us, this is going to get uncomfortable. I'm just going to jump right in here. Hi, how are you? I'm Kevin. Good, good. What's your name? Evan. Evan. Welcome. I, I still got to walk by you, so um, sorry. I might just end up having to sit on your lap. I'm sorry. It's uh, distance. And so, okay, so I'm a little farther away, but not only am I a little farther away here, um, but there's all kinds of, I, I can still see. I, somewhere in there, I, I can still see. But it's not, it's not very clear. There's a lot of distractions there's so many other things I could be looking at in that reflection. There's distractions. There are things that get in the way. Our attentiveness. Man, because there's so many other shiny things. Anyone else a little ADD? And you, you see some things and yeah, all right. Prayer after service. No, thank you. There are, there's a direct correlation between the relationship we have with God and the, the closeness that we have with him and the attentiveness to, to, to clear away the distractions, to get rid of anything that would impede your relationship with God. The different stuff in your life that maybe you put at that higher level. Those, those created things that you choose, trying not to blind anyone, that you choose to worship instead of the creator. Proximity and attentiveness. Why is this important? Slave or heir? Slave or heir? We, we are not servants we are not little puppets to a distant God out there somewhere. We are co-laborers with him and we reign with him. Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, it's interesting, we talked back during our Christmas time, we talked about this, these, these years of silence, this 400 years of silence where it seemed like, man, God just deserted them. He just left the people. To, to be on their own. But we also understand that there were things that had to be done. There are prophecies, honestly, to, to, to even more so validate the truth of this book. There were prophecies that were set forth and those prophecies had to come to the, 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 the truth, had to come to pass. 
for everyone to be able to say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. And you know why he's the Messiah? Because I can read every one of these prophecies and they all point to him. There were things that had to happen. There was a fullness of time that had come when all was ready for the return, for the the coming of the Messiah. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We we have this intimate relationship available to us with the king, with the creator of the universe. And in that relationship, we don't sweep the floors in his kingdom. We are his sons and his daughters. If he holds it all, controls all, protects, shelters, provides. We are his family. We are heirs to the king. And in that, he provides, protects, shelters, loves, cares for his sons and daughters. That is you. That's who we are. This is the story of God, that is his plan for us. The way we have been designed, the way he intended for us to live, this is that veritas, this is that truth. God is all about redemption, he's all about restoration. He doesn't only want us to be part of this, but it's his only method to accomplish this. We are not God's plan B. We are his plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. The people in your lives, us, ourselves, if we're in a distorted view, a distorted understanding of the image that we've been created in, we walk in the wrong direction. He desired for us to be the plan A that we would be able to attest to who God is. That when people see us, this is, this is the beautiful thing. I, I love it. If Christ is in us, when God looks at us, what does God see? He sees Christ in us. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see what you did last night. He doesn't see all the brokenness, the victimization, anything, any of that. It's covered. It's gone. He sees Christ in you. That's something to be excited about because we all carry far too many things into our future because we don't live in the reality that we were created in his image. And we, because we, have Christ, we are clothed with Christ, he puts us on as clothing, as a garment. That, that's something to... to Yeah, it's okay. That's something to be excited about. God's plan for redemption is Christ 
in us. That's plan A. Do do you think our cities are going to be transformed by themselves? Our cities, our towns. We live in New Hampshire, so I'll say our villages. Maybe little hamlets. Do you think they're going to be transformed by themselves? No. It's wherever you set your foot, wherever you place your foot, wherever you step, the promise from God is that he is giving you where you where you walk. You want your community transformed? You want your home transformed? You want your workplace transformed? You want the relationships that you're a part of to be transformed? Allow yourself to identify the true reality that you have been made in his likeness and because of that, you are his plan A. You are the opportunity to bring Christ wherever you go. We were created by God We were redeemed by Jesus and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we go in power and authority and we can live a different life and when we live a different life, others around can see, man, there is something different about you. When when people see authentic and real, when people see truth, There's there's such a desire for that in this world. Unfortunately, we substitute and we accept those substitutions all the time. But there's a true hunger for authentic truth. There is a hunger and a desire that people would be real in their identity in Christ. And that would infect I use that in a good way. That would infect the world that we live in. That there would be an epidemic of believers. The only way our cities are going to see transformation is if we're actively engaged to see God working through us, reflecting his image through us, allow his truth to shine, to reflect off of us, we know we're created in, this, in, in his image to be in relationship with him, but also to join with him in his work. God is always about redeeming things to bring them back. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's been said before, and I like the statement, we may be the only Jesus someone ever sees. There's a truth to that. There's a truth to that. So, what image are we reflecting? We can bear the image of the creator, or we can bear the image of other things that we may worship. What image are we reflecting? The one true God or a distorted view that we've taken on because of our environment or our family or our society, our culture? If we don't have the right reflection, we don't have the right. 
Father, I pray for each person here right now. God, that there would be a a recalibration. A recalibration of identity and understanding of purpose, all based around the truth, the veritas, that we are created in your image. God, that we would worship you and you alone and cast nothing above you or in front of us that would confuse us or reprioritize our life in such a way that we would stop the relationship that should exist with you. I pray for each person here today, God, that they would understand the truth and the reality of who they've been created to be, the life that they've created to live, that they have been created to live, not the life that we have created to live. Change our hearts, transform our minds. Cause us, God, cause us to lay down anything that has gotten in the way that has caused our attentiveness to drift away from you. These substitutions, Lord, wipe them away. Give us the strength to let them go, to put them down, to cast them away. And God, help us to come near to you because your promise is that you will come near to us when we do. Purify us, God. Cleanse us. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just like there was homework last week, there's homework this week. Next week, we're talking about... Everyone's so excited about that. No. Genesis chapter 3. Sometime this week, read Genesis chapter 3. Matter of fact, since last week you read Genesis 1, go ahead and read 2 and 3. Oh, man. You do get extra credit. Um, someone will... The ushers will meet you at the door and give you a star. Um, so, a gold one. So, God bless you guys. Genesis 2 and 3 this week. Read that. You'll be prepared for next week. We're in this together. God bless you. Love you guys. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.